Welcome to today's broadcast. Really exciting things going on, as always, in the crypto space. Big news, if you will. Look, today I want to talk with you about what's going on in the Bitcoin ETF space, the Ethereum ETF space. Kind of, this is the calm before the storm in some kind of ways, potentially anyway. I also want to discuss with you, well, the future of money. What's going on with BRICS and CBDCs and Bitcoin and all this kind of stuff. We're also going to talk about WorldCoin. Orwell's nightmare, if you will, and the backlash we've been seeing against that, and also, of course, the potential opportunities with that coin. And also, some really big adoption news happening for, well, the entire cryptocurrency space. Amazon has revealed a very big cryptocurrency-related play. Also, some really big news right across the altcoin space. China, we're going to talk about them as well and what they are doing. So lots to get through in today's stream. Lots of value, of course, and very excited for everyone to be joining the conversation with me. So let's get into this. And I want to start off today's conversation. Bitcoin ETFs, Ethereum ETFs too. We've got some new news on this. And it's a very interesting time in the market right now, in my opinion anyway, because we've seen all this hype around the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF, this big surge when it was announced. And then basically we've had, what, six weeks now of almost sideways action for Bitcoin. It's pretty damn crazy. And when you look at this, it's even crazier. So the Wolf of Poloniex points out, according to the block, the July result of four trading volumes on centralized cryptocurrency exchanges is $426 billion. This is the lowest value of the indicator since October 2020. Analysts also note the lowest level of daily volume since November 2020. Yesterday's figure was the equivalent of $8.34 billion. This is crazy. This is really crazy because we know, by and large, that the retail crowd is not back right now. We know that all this big news is happening, though, on the other side. Where is everybody, man? Why are trading volumes still so damn low? Why are people so disinterested in cryptocurrencies still? Blows my mind to see some of the stuff that's happening right now. But there's the reality. We are in this calm before the storm moment. This almost false sense of boredom. False sense of, well, I don't want to call it security. There's no security in the crypto industry. Just mind-bending volatility and skull-numbing boredom. Very little in between those two things. But here we are with crazy low volume, crazy low volume. There's been minutes where the price of Bitcoin doesn't move almost at all. Days where the price of Bitcoin closes within a couple hundred bucks of the previous day. Barely moving at all. It's absolute insanity what's been happening here with the markets. And of course, there's always FUD in the market, credible sharing this. So, of course, we had Binance being in the news once again this week with apparently the U.S. Department of Justice was considering fraud charges against Binance, but they're more concerned about the cost to consumers, according to people familiar with the matter, as credible points out, according to people familiar with the matter. Somebody said the DOJ declined to comment. Where does this news come from? Who starts spreading this crap? Basically, well, they kind of sort of wanted maybe talked about something one time, sort of, and we're going to report on that as if it's news. Somebody, somebody bought Bitcoin, I would think, when that happened. You have to remember, the media is completely controlled. Media is completely controlled, and I've got more proof of that for you momentarily, but you need to understand that 
these things don't happen in a vacuum. The regulatory stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. We have to understand who the big money players are that are getting involved right now in the cryptocurrency space. We have to understand what is at stake here. BlackRock knows what's at stake. Fidelity knows what's at stake. Invesco knows what's at stake. JP Morgan knows what's at stake. That's why they are playing this game right now, and they are pulling these strings. It's not a mistake. These things are happening. The media, man, I tell you. And on the back of that news, what do we see? This is insane. Uh, James Safart pointing out he's an analyst uh, over at Bloomberg. So he pointed out that we have 11, 11, 11 Ethereum ETFs that have been filed in like the last week. That's crazy. Somebody knows something. These Ethereum ETFs will be approved sooner than later. Yeah, of course, they're not great. I don't love these Ethereum ETFs. They're junk. They add nothing to the crypto space. They're just more ways for Wall Street to manipulate the markets. But a slew of these coming in. I hope it's not the old bait and switch from the SEC where they're going to say, oh, look, we're being so reasonable. Here's all these Ethereum ETFs we just approved. Futures, ETFs, garbage paper contracts backed by nothing, complete rubbish bin, bottom of the dumpster, piles of dog crap. That's what these are. These are not spot ETFs. Oh, Canada can have spot Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs. Brazil can have spot Bitcoin ETFs. Europe can have spot Bitcoin ETFs. Australia can have spot Bitcoin ETFs. America, not until BlackRock says. The oligarchy will decide when you're allowed to have spot Bitcoin ETFs. It could be sooner than later. Look at this. KPMG touts the ESG benefits from Bitcoin counters misperceptions in a new report. What? What? It's almost too perfect, isn't it? When you start to realize how the game is played. Think about this. Think about we've, we've covered many stories like this already here on the channel. But as soon as BlackRock said, we're going to launch a Bitcoin ETF. All the media organizations started publishing articles about, oh, actually, Bitcoin's great for the climate. Didn't you hear? Now, here comes KPMG. Oh, look, ESG benefits. Of course, ESG is a bunch of pile of crap anyway. Some of the, high, the companies with the highest ESG scores are like oil companies, and they took uh, Tesla off the ESG list. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But this is what BlackRock pushes. This is the agenda that BlackRock pushes and the people who are behind BlackRock push. And now, of course, they're getting to Bitcoin, which does to an extent worry me. Don't, don't think that BlackRock is here for us. I know I keep saying that, but BlackRock is not our friends. They're not here for us. They're not here to be our buddies. No, 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 no. But we are seeing the narrative change quite quickly in the media. Now, before we get into the rest of the Bitcoin ETF news. If you are a Bitcoin trader, a cryptocurrency trader, you got yourself an account over at Bybit. It is the best place for trading crypto. Whether you want to do futures, whether you want to do spot altcoins, copy trading, whatever it is, it's the place to be for traders. Use the link down below and you can get yourself up to $30,000 in trading and deposit bonuses, as well as exclusive trading discounts. So check it out. Now the Bitcoin ETF, the elusive Bitcoin ETF. You know, we have been talking about the Bitcoin ETF on this channel literally for years now. And in all that time, all U.S. regulators have delivered our paper garbage. 
dumpster fire versions of what people actually want. They say they want to protect users by giving them Bitcoin futures ETFs at the end the Price feeds for those Bitcoin futures ETFs come from places like Coinbase. And then on the flip side, the SEC says, well, the reporting data from places like Coinbase is not good enough for a Bitcoin spot ETF. It's a game. It's a hustle. And the SEC is right at the center of it. Anyway, Kathy Wood saying multiple Bitcoin ETFs likely be approved at the same time. Kathy, of course, has a Bitcoin ETF proposal in she would know or at least have a good suspicion what's going on. Although I would be very surprised if Kathy gets hers first. BlackRock walks to the front of the queue. BlackRock is the queue. BlackRock owns the restaurant, the street, the governors, the mayors, the city, the state, the country, and the freaking queue. And when BlackRock wants to get at the front of the queue, that's what BlackRock does. Sorry, Kathy. But she's probably right that there will be quite a few approved at the same time. I bet BlackRock's going to be first, though. I could be wrong, but uh, that's my intuition. James Seyford, again, based on recent events and new information, Eric Belkunas, also from Bloomberg, and I are officially increasing our spot Bitcoin ETF approval odds to 65%. Two analyst dudes making up a number. Keep that in mind. But it's gone from 1% a few months ago. Remember, before BlackRock did their filing, we all basically thought a Bitcoin ETF, a spot Bitcoin ETF in America, not going to happen. Not going to happen under the current SEC administration. When BlackRock came out, hmm, things changed. Now, with all these Ethereum ETF approvals, maybe things are changing once again. Maybe with these smackdowns in the courts, things could be changing once again. And then there is Grayscale. Uh, Andrew points this out. Update as expected. BlackRock Bitcoin ETF filing picking up steam. Gensler softening last week. There is a committee that makes these decisions. It's a clear pivot from him. Not so much tough talk now. And expect an administrative delay. Grayscale analysts believe, Bloomberg analysts, the same guys we're talking about a second ago, but they believe that the SEC will most likely lose their case against Grayscale. And if the SEC loses their case against Grayscale, that means it opens the floodgates for Bitcoin ETFs. And that could be part of the softening that we're seeing right now. That SEC has basically figured out we're going to lose the case against Grayscale. They're going to win. We have don't have a good reason why we haven't given them a Bitcoin ETF yet. The courts are going to say the same thing to us. And as a result, we are going to have to start doing something here. And maybe that information is starting to get out. Maybe the committee that Gary Gensler is referring to is starting to lean in that direction. They see the writings on the wall. They're wasting much time and energy at the agency trying to fight all this crypto stuff. They're picking the wrong battles to fight, fighting with the wrong companies and getting their butts handed to them. Coinbase as well, they're putting in a, a motion to dismiss the case against them uh, tomorrow, I think, is when they're doing that. Yeah, by the end of the week, so tomorrow, Thursday in the USA right now. So they're doing that tomorrow. That's big news. Now, will the judge dismiss the case? Remains to be seen. But there's a possibility that they will. If the judge dismisses the case against Coinbase, Huge news, because that then to an 
extent exonerates all the altcoins that were listed in that lawsuit. Of course, now that XRP has been declared not a security, those other altcoins are almost certainly not securities too, but that would removing that suit would definitely clear the way a lot more for these altcoins. It would give a lot more uh, certainty for investors in the coin stock and in crypto more broadly that crypto companies are winning versus the SEC. The SEC doesn't have a leg to stand on it. And how many hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars does the SEC chief need to waste before somebody says, we need to put a new SEC chief in, somebody who's not going to pursue all these frivolous lawsuits against crypto companies. There's actual crypto criminality happening out there that the SEC could and should be going after versus like Coinbase. So we'll see how all that plays out. But it's very interesting to think about the potential for this stuff. A lot of numbers been floating around. Of course, we talked about the $30 billion number recently. Other experts are saying, well, maybe it's going to be $20 billion of inflows in the first few months when we get Bitcoin ETFs approved. I don't think anyone really understands how insane that number is. $20 billion freaking dollars of spot purchases for Bitcoin is huge news. Huge news. Because remember, right now, there's only about, what, $70 billion of actual Bitcoin available for purchase sitting across all exchanges, all exchanges. That's Coinbase, Binance, all the international exchanges, right? If we're talking about U.S. exchanges, the number is much smaller. Coinbase only has about 450 or 500,000 Bitcoin. So if we're talking about $20 billion coming in, that's a lot of cheddar, man. If you divide that up across a few months, we're going to get a billion dollars a week in buy pressure for Bitcoin. That's going to move the needle. That's going to move the needle. Remember, when the U.S. government moves around their little tiny stash of, what, 40,000 Bitcoin? or 30,000 Bitcoin now? And they move 9,000 Bitcoin to an exchange to sell. Everybody loses their minds, man. Oh, my gosh. They're going to sell 9,000 Bitcoin. This is going to destroy the market. What do you think happens when these Bitcoin ETF providers come in and they start buying 10,000 Bitcoin a week, 20,000 Bitcoin in a week. What happens to the prices? Now, I'm not a math doctor. I'm not. I failed my math doctor bar exam, the bar exam, whatever. But I'm pretty sure the number goes up in that situation. Now, I want to talk to you about America. The USA has just had its debt downgraded. And what does that mean? And what does this mean for the future of money? You see, right now, as you, of course, well know, USA, they're the big dog, big cheese. They have the global reserve currency currently. And while some people think that's going to last forever, historically, no global reserve currency has lasted forever. Times always change. I'm reminded of the saying that if you want things to stay the same, then things are going to have to change. Because things always change. Change is the only constant in the world. Well, there's probably a few others too, but you know what? You guys got the point, right? Anyway, U.S. debt downgrade sinks global markets, but economists are not concerned. Why is U.S. debt getting downgraded from, uh, let's go down from AA plus to, oh, from AAA down to AA plus. That's it. From AAA down to AA plus. So a bit of a downgrade there from the ratings agencies. And look, ratings agencies are kind of a scam anyway, to be fair. But nevertheless, Fitch has downgraded them. Meanwhile, you're seeing that the United States, the debt, the debt, this is, it's unbelievable. 
I mean, it's criminal. It's not just unbelievable. It's criminal what they are doing. You have to understand this. The United States national debt is up by $1.8 trillion since the debt ceiling crisis. That was only like a month ago, six weeks ago. It took the USA 209 years to add that first $1.8 trillion in debt. And just over the last few weeks, they've added another $1.8 trillion. They don't have that money. It's all going on the credit card. The interest on that credit card, it ain't pretty. The U.S. right now is on, on course to spend about a trillion dollars per year in interest payments. Interest payments. We're not talking about paying down the 33 or almost $34 trillion in principle. Just interest payments. And in order to keep paying those unsustainably high interest payments, what are they going to do? They're going to have to print more money. It's always the answer, isn't it? Printing more freaking money. And what does that do? That debases the U.S. dollar even further at a time of unprecedented monetary competition globally. Now, look, I don't, you know, sit around here and wish, ah, oh, the U.S. dollar standard needs to go and the U.S. dollar needs to crash. No, 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 no. I, I think it's seeing such dysfunction means that a lot of people are going to suffer really terribly. We should not celebrate this happening. And look, the USA has abused their position as the reserve currency by weaponizing the dollar and so on and so forth. And that's a whole big conversation we can get into that goes beyond the scope of what I want to talk with you about today. But the reality is things change. And the US dollar is the top dog right now. It might be the top dog for some more time to come. But times they are changing my friends. And with change comes new opportunities, of course. And it's interesting because those new opportunities, whether it be for Bitcoin or bricks or whatever else, you have all this stuff that lines up, right? All this debt that's on the USA right now, uh, the credit rating being downgraded. And if the situation continues as is, they might see another credit rating downgrade. The USA getting their credit downgraded. It's nuts. The only solution is to print that creates more inflation, that creates more economic pain for regular people, that creates more problems for those holding U.S. dollars internationally. See, this is another thing working against the U.S. dollars. All those central banks around the world, all those corporations around the world, they all have to hold U.S. dollars, but they have no control over how rapidly the United States debases their currency. Now, look, when they do like 2% per year inflation of the monetary supply, for example, nobody really gets too excited about it. When they do what they did during the last few years and they print like trillions upon trillions of dollars, people notice it hits the bottom line real quick. And while it's great for US corporations and US banks who get to front run the rest of the world, the rest of the world looks at that and goes, that's not great. Why are we stuck using the US dollar? And as we see more and more countries opening up to alternatives, it creates more problems for the U.S. dollars. But again, lots of opportunity here for non-U.S. dollar holders. And of course, it's a global phenomenon of when we talk about cryptocurrencies, for example, we talk about Bitcoin, stable coins, all that stuff. This interesting story I came across the other day from Patrick McCory. He said, I asked the following question at meetups in Kenya and Nigeria. 
who gets paid in crypto? 80% of people raise their hand. Who gets paid in local currency? 5% of people raise their hand. That's crazy. Who prefers crypto, BTC, ETH over stable coins? Only two to five people raise their hand, which is quite interesting, actually. And I understand volatility, right? People want to lock in some kind of temporary, at least, stability. Yeah, the dollar and all fiat currencies slowly go down over time, but at least it's not like 30, 40, 50% overnight volatility, right? And he asked, who prefers stable coins? 95% of people raised their hands. Stable coins, in a big way, are like the killer application for crypto. Cross-border payments, cross-border transfers. And as we see more non-USD denominated stable coins come online, it opens up even more opportunities, right? Uh, USDC issuer Circle, they released a Euro stable coin. Uh, others have released like yen stable coins, and we'll see more of those being issued out in the future. Interesting. People are looking for alternatives, and they want to be able to use crypto rails to even move fiat around, which of course brings us into the whole conversation around CBDCs and all that kind of stuff. And we see cryptocurrency adoption rising all over the world. And this is just an anecdotal story, one I found from the news from just a few days ago, but it gives you the idea of what's happening because these kind of stories, we've been covering these kind of stories nonstop for a couple of years now. Cryptocurrency payment adoption is increasing in Spain of many places. We see more and more payments being made as more and more regulatory clarity starts to happen around the world. Of course, the EU passed a very big cryptocurrency related bill this year, which had positives and negatives, but at least it was clarity. At least it was clarity, much more than the USA has done. So... When you have more clarity, people can feel more comfortable buying, selling, investing, using, building, creating, and that's what's happening. Surprise. And of course, we have people, countries all over the world, also fleeing from their crap fiat currencies. How many times have we covered what was happening in Lebanon? We've covered what's happening in Venezuela. We've covered what's happening in Argentina and a dozen other basket case currencies. Over the last few years on this channel, we've covered all these big stories about monetary complete terminal collapse of certain fiat currencies. It's heartbreaking stuff, man. It just, it gives me no pleasure talking about these kind of things when you see fiat collapse happening. And it just makes me happy that there are at least alternatives now and people are waking up all over the world. Cryptocurrencies are literally empowering people in countries, whether it be on the continent of Africa or in Southeast Asia or in Latin America, wherever we're talking about. A lot of these smaller developing countries, you might live in one of those countries and you know there's capital controls. It's hard for you to get cash. It's hard for you to send money overseas. It's hard for you to get paid for your work, right? I've got a big team of writers that work for me and I pay almost everybody in Bitcoin. A couple people take bank transfers and that's fine, but most of my writers are actually paid in Bitcoin or stable coins in some cases. And it allows me to send payments all over the world almost instantaneously. Whereas when you send a bank transfer, it's like, where to go? I don't know. Oh, there's an intermediary bank that took 10 bucks. Why is that not, why, why am I not told that when I'm sending this transfer? Why don't you say, hey, we're going to have to add another $12 in fees or $15 in fees on top of this because there's a, a mercenary bank in the middle who's going to rob you a little bit. Are they doing anything? No, it's just passing through the computer system. Does it need to do that? No, not really. It's just our archaic banking system. Cryptocurrency has offered a much better alternative for people all around the world. But as much as I want to see a Bitcoin standard take off and flourish in the world. I'm not so certain that's what we're going to get, unfortunately. Because the big countries largely set the rules. And to be clear, 
thank goodness we have crypto because it gives regular people powerful tools for financial independence. Doesn't matter what the big countries are doing. I mean, it does matter what the big countries are doing, but you as an individual, you have financial freedom and sovereignty now thanks to this new technology. You have options, options that didn't exist before Bitcoin was created. They simply did not exist. And in the last five years, the number of options that have become available to regular people all around the world, doesn't matter what country you live in, doesn't matter what your ethnicity, your religion, any of this stuff, you have options. You have more economic freedom than ever before, thanks to cryptocurrencies. And while in the West, we look at crypto as like, that's a fun toy to invest in. People in other areas are looking at it as, this is something that's going to allow me to run my business, to receive payments, to be a freelancer, whatever it might be. But then there's the BRICS currency. And this is, mm, yeah, the BRICS currency. You know, I have so many feelings about this that's going to be old boss or... Yeah, old boss, same as the new boss sort of deal. <sighs> you know, if they back it by gold, which has been rumored, or a basket of commodities, it's also been rumored that's me backed by like gold and silver and oil and natural gas, wheat, something like that. For example, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, which BRICS members will actually implement this. But the conversations are there. It's being had. There's a big BRICS meeting uh, happening in South Africa, will we see some big announcements around this? Now, the BRICS group is about to expand. They're going to announce new members in South Africa. There's about 10 countries or so that have formally applied, maybe more big countries, two big countries, whether we're talking about Saudi Arabia or Iran or wherever else, a lot of places. So at some point, the BRICS group already almost accounts for half of the global population, or maybe slightly more, I don't remember the exact numbers, uh, a huge percentage of the global GDP. They control a gigantic percentage of the world's natural, key natural resources, lumber, food, iron, gas, oil, manufacturing bases, all this kind of stuff. And when they add these 10 new countries on, the BRICS group suddenly becomes the dominant global player. They have the biggest GDP as a combined group. They have the biggest population. They have the fastest growing economies. They control basically all the resources or at least enough of the resources that they can do whatever they want with the prices of those resources. If you think that OPEC has been a powerful organization in terms of dictating the price of oil, wait until BRICS starts dictating the price of everything. Maybe I'm wrong on all this. But the BRICS monetary union could be a very, very big, big world-changing event. Again, nothing happens overnight. It's not like you, they make an announcement, you wake up on Tuesday, and it's like, oh my gosh, the world's changed. No, 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 it'll, it'll change over time. And of course, we'll see more settlement in local currencies, which is going to be enabled by technological advances as we see more countries moving towards central bank digital currencies. You see, when... You have central bank digital currencies. It, this need for intermediary banks and stuff largely goes away. You're going to have the ability to very easily move money very quickly through Forex transactions all on, well, some kind of probably closed chain system, some kind of database. But it's going to be really, really big in terms of allowing for more country-to-country -country transactions and local currencies without needing to go into the old Uncle Sam dollar. 
technological innovations are also going to blockbuster the U.S. dollar. Now, of course, the U.S. dollar also wants to upgrade and have its own CBDC and stuff like that. But you have to really, really, really question. Ask yourself the hard questions. What role does the U.S. dollar play if other countries simply don't need it or they have alternatives? They're using the yuan more or they are using gold-backed CBDCs from the BRICS bank. Now, I, I, I want to. We're going to get to comments, of course, later in the conversation. But I, just there's a good comment here by made by me. It just reminds me of something I was watching the other day. He said, uh, "No real gold. Think of John McAfee. He died poor, but his story is amazing. And yes, he uh, ran from the gold sector. You know, it's interesting. I saw something about John McAfee the other day, and maybe missed John. I know he was. He was just he, what man? God broke the mold when he made that guy, didn't he? Holy cow, John McAfee, man, what a character." You guys don't, if you weren't here back in 2017, John McAfee, of course, the creator of the McAfee antivirus software, he was uh, pretty big in the crypto space and um, died in very mysterious circumstances. Of course, a guy who literally had a tattoo on his body that I will not kill myself ended up killing himself in a Spanish prison where the security cameras magically stopped working or the footage disappeared or something like that. You do have to wonder about this stuff. I miss John. He was he was a character, man. He was always he was always an entertainer. Old John McAfee. So hope you're resting in peace, man. Holy cow. What a what a dude. Anyway. Anyway, slight aside there from the main conversation. CBDCs are coming, obviously. And they're not great. They're not great. Again, it's so I'm so happy that we have cryptocurrency. I'm so happy we have Bitcoin and all this stuff because CBDCs are not your friends. They're not. They're not here for you. They're not good. There's nothing positive about CBDCs. And they're going to present them as, oh, they're more convenient. Oh, they're better for the environment, probably, right? And so if, if you're in, if, you know, they're going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And yet it's programmable money. And we know what programmable money can do because we use programmable money all the time when we use cryptocurrencies. Except that when governments do it, they're going to do all the scary stuff, being able to turn off your account, set your money so it expires after 90 days. So you either have to put your money into government bonds or it disappears. You can't just save it in your bank account. Now, you may not think that that's going to happen straight away. You may not think it's going to happen at all. My question to you would be look at the history of what governments have done and ask yourself if you really believe that they wouldn't do it. Because my guess is that they're probably going to. And then, of course, we have stuff like Elon Musk's X app, which he wants to do everything in the financial world on his, his X app, right? He wants to allow for crypto transactions and stock trading, apparently, potentially, all this kind of stuff. Interesting. How do new money applications also fit into this wider picture? Because Elon Musk is building the X app within the boundaries of probably what's actually going to be allowed by financial regulators. And that's where we see CBDCs fit in and all this sort of stuff. And so I'm excited about the X app. I think it's going to be fun. But it's not necessarily a revolution or a game changer in terms of global money. CBDCs, they're scary. They freak me out. BRICS currency, like I said. New boss, same as the old boss. Not that big of a deal. Interesting if they back it with gold. Interesting. Don't know how it's going to play out, but interesting. Uh, it's, you know, it's at least it's something, something new, something beyond just infinite money printing whenever the powers that be in America decide they want to print some more money. 
And then there's Bitcoin. The shining money on the hill. Our real chance at economic and monetary freedom. It's there for us. Just to reach out and take it. Before BlackRock does, because they're coming for your coins. Now let's change pace a little bit. I want to discuss with you some really big news that's happening in the altcoin space. Actually, this is about Amazon and getting into crypto in a very interesting way. Now, we've seen a lot of big tech companies getting into crypto in one way or another over the past few years. Some of them have started doing hosting services. Some of them started actually investing in them. It depends on the company who we're talking about. But Amazon teaming up with a big crypto game on Polygon, which is pretty crazy. And that gives the potential for introducing a lot of people to crypto which is why it's a big story, which is why we're covering it. So Amazon Prime is giving out free NFTs for this Polygon game. So Amazon Prime subscribers can now snag a free Polygon NFT and in-game currency for Mojo Melee with more freebies to come. Quick note, I am a private sale investor in Mojo. You can find full disclosures uh, of my venture investments as well as my portfolio in the description of this conversation. So go ahead and check that out if you want to know what my conflicts of interest might be or what I'm particularly holding at the time or what I'm venture invested in. So just to tell you guys that, but this is a big story, which is why we're covering it because Amazon's huge. Polygon, of course, once again, finding itself at the middle of major company adoption. Polygon's blockchain, I swear, this is one of the hardest working teams in crypto over at Polygon because they keep managing to get these crazy big partnerships or applications built on their chain, keep managing to get these crazy big partnerships. So it's very, very cool to see that. So the users are going to be able to get that free NFT and... People love free, you know, people love free stuff, right? They're also going to 885 or a non-crypto in-game currency. This could see a huge number of wallets being created. Now, look, there are 200 million Prime subscribers, 150 million of those are in the USA. Not all of those people are going to go and claim their free NFT. Let's not get too crazy here. But it's still a big deal because there are 200 million Prime subscribers. This is Amazon, Amazon, that Amazon coming out and saying, we got a crypto game and we are going to enable our Prime subscribers to be able to claim a blockchain-based NFT, which means these people are going to get a blockchain wallet account. This is big. It's a potentially big onboarding moment. Remember when Reddit onboarded millions of new users. I remember WorldCoin onboarding millions of new users. Amazon, one of the world's biggest companies, onboarding potentially millions of new users. Now, it remains to be seen how big this game is going to be, how many people are going to claim the NFT. Maybe only a couple thousand people or 10,000 people claim the NFT. Maybe a million. Maybe a million. And look, I know, I know Amazon has not always been at the forefront of gaming. Amazon has not always been at the forefront of TV and movie production and stuff like this. I get it. Still big, though. Still big. Still, still, I like that story a lot. Uh, another story from Polygon. Well, we're on the Polygon train. As Sandeep uh, Nail Wall points out, DraftKings, the world's leading daily fantasy sports brand, 
killing it on Polygon. The mainstream projects take time, but once their apps start doing well, every single one of them can generate more volume than an entire blockchain ecosystem can currently do because they bring their user bases with them. He said, if DraftKings was a chain, it would rank number three by volume. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. This is huge adoption news. Absolute, absolute crazy, crazy stuff here for, well, Polygon. Because all this stuff is happening on Polygon. Again, Polygon partnering up with gigantic brands that are actually bringing real adoption to the cryptocurrency space. Remember when Polygon partnered up with Starbucks back today? Yeah, I remember. You guys probably remember too if you're a Polygon, a Polygon nut. But crazy, man. Crazy to see this kind of adoption start to take off. And of course, it can take off on Polygon because Polygon, unlike Ethereum, doesn't charge you $10 or $50 or $100 to do things. It charges a fraction of a penny. And it's so cheap that it allows companies like Amazon to pay the gas fees for you or to bake it into your overall payments somehow. But still, you don't have to do the more manual labor side of using these things. You can abstract some of that away to applications and platforms. So very cool stuff. And before we get into the other big adoption news stories, real quick, if you're not subscribed yet to the Wealth Mastery newsletter, you're straight up missing out. It is the best newsletter in the crypto industry. Every single issue jam-packed full of fun and entertainment, but also great educational material, the latest news, altcoin reports, airdrops, NFTs, and much, much more. And you can sign up for free. For free, join our 75,000 weekly readers. Click on the button in the description, and you can start getting those emails to your inbox too. Now, remember last week when we were talking about real-world assets coming on chain? How Avalanche had announced that they're starting to, they launched a $50 million fund to bring real world assets on chain. Well, now here we go. Securitize has started issuing tokenized securities in Europe that represent equity in the Spanish REIT, so real estate investment trusts, um, and CP partners focused on commercial real estate in the healthcare sector. Assets will be tokenized on the Avalanche blockchain, by the way, and secondary trading is set to begin in September. Yo, yo, it's happening. It is happening. And I love it. This is the future of real world assets. We are going to see trillions of dollars come on chain. Trillions of dollars come on chain. Stuff like a real estate investment trust. Great. Fantastic. Imagine that. You can go out and buy $10,000 of this real estate investment trust stock. And you're going to get 5% per year, for example, paid out for holding that. But now that it's tokenized, now that it's on the blockchain, you can go to a decentralized exchange or a decentralized money market. How about that? Trader Joe has already said, oh, we see this. We're interested. Maybe we can be the real world asset exchange. So you can go to, as an example, they haven't done it yet, but just as an example, you go over to Trader Joe and say, hey, I have $10,000 of this real estate investment trust equity, but I'd like to take a loan versus that. So you put it up for uh, collateral. You take a $5,000 loan versus that. You take that $5,000, buy $5,000 with a chain link. That chain link 10 X's, you take your profits back. You come back, you pay your loan off. You get your real estate investment trusts back with the interest. Of course, that's been accruing over time. Bada bing, bada boom. Now take that $10,000 and amplify it 
to a few trillion. And you realize the potential of all these real world assets, whether it be real estates, stocks, bonds, whatever, coming into the crypto space because it is going to be coming. Remember Larry Fink, Larry freaking Fink, man, the CEO of BlackRock, he said the future of equities is tokenization. CEO of BlackRock is talking about taking all this stuff and whack it under the blockchain because he knows, he knows they're going to make more money doing this. You're going to get rid of the clearing houses, get rid of all the middlemen that make things slower. And we might actually, in our lifetimes, maybe even sooner than that, maybe by the end of the decade, move to a world where we can have 365-day-a-year markets that are open 24-7, like crypto is. Because remember, stock markets aren't. Stock markets are open, what, like 9 to 4, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays? Like, come on, what is that, man? That's ridiculous. This could blow open global liquidity in a massive, massive way. So it's very exciting to see that happening. Very, very exciting indeed. Also, in terms of adoption news, Coinbase. So Coinbase is looking at adding the Lightning Network. So this is a conversation between Brian Armstrong and Jack Dorsey, the former owner of Twitter, now known as X, of course. Basically, Jack said, well, why do you continue to ignore Bitcoin and Lightning? Brian says, hey, we're looking into how to best add the Lightning Network. It's non-trivial, but I think it's worth doing. I'm all for payments taking off in Bitcoin. Not sure why you think we're ignoring it. We've onboarded more people to Bitcoin than probably any company in the world, which is true. Jack says, no doubt Coinbase introduced more people to Bitcoin than anyone else in the world. I'm grateful for that. Putting more of your resources towards original focus on Bitcoin and layer two technologies would be amazing. We'd be happy to partner. Of course, Jack's company, Block, his other company, they have been working on lightning payments. Interesting. Very, very interesting seeing Jack Dorsey and Brian Armstrong teaming up to bring lightning payments to Coinbase, to bring lightning payments to the bit to the Coinbase wallet. That would be the real thing. Coinbase exchange, that's very exciting. That helps people really move uh, back and forth between you know frictionless payments to exchanges where they can cash it out. Coinbase of course being one of the world's biggest exchanges. But more importantly, if they can bring it to their Coinbase wallet, which is one of the widest used wallets in the world, that's big. That's big stuff. So I'm excited about that. Other Coinbase news, Coinbase teaming up with Coca-Cola, Atari, some other big names as well, OpenSea, Showtime. Ahead of the base, which is the Ethereum Layer 2, Coinbase solution. Ahead of their mainnet launch team out these huge, huge brands for NFTs and stuff like that, which is great. I mean, Coca-Cola, you guys have probably heard of them once or twice in your life. They're kind of a big deal. So seeing them launching their NFTs on top of Coinbase's base helps drive users, helps drive traffic. And to mention as well that the bridges are open, the official bridges, not like the trust me and send money to some random contracts, which is what was happening last week on the Coinbase base uh, layer. But now official bridges have opened up so you can go and start using those. So if you go to bridge.base.org, that is the official Coinbase bridge where you can bridge money over to the base layer two and start 
degenerately aping into all kinds of crazy, crazy crap over there. But we also have a lot of major protocols which are deploying on the base layer either very, very soon or in the coming weeks. So you can keep an eye out for stuff like SushiSwap and Aave, et cetera, to also integrate with base so you can use more trusted uh, DeFi solutions over there as well. And the other bit of adoption news here, HashKey has announced the official upgrade of number one and number seven licenses to become the first licensed trading platform for retail users in Hong Kong. It will also cooperate with the standard chartered bank to provide users with fiat currency uh, deposit and withdrawal services. Huge, 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 huge. China never really officially left the game. I saw a report the other day that uh, a gigantic percentage of the volume for Binance is still coming from China to this day, in spite of having been shut down in China a long time ago. This, though, this changes everything because this is actually official uh, services, official exchange providers that allow mainland Chinese money. I know it's in Hong Kong, but it's only a short train ride away. Mainland Chinese money to enter into the cryptocurrency market in a regulated way. Now, look, your average Average Joe in China may not, but families with a little bit more money, the rich, they're going to find a way. And Hong Kong has just kicked open the doors, and this is the first major exchange to do it. So you think that with a lot of the other stuff that's kind of going on, you know, those ETFs get approved, for example. Well, then BlackRock and all these other guys start buying 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 Bitcoin a week. China starts aping in. They start buying five or 10,000 Bitcoin a week. I mean, you cannot keep that kind of level of buy pressure going up for any kind of period of time. Even a few weeks is going to send the price going like crazy. Interesting times. Very, very interesting times indeed. Now I want to discuss WorldCoin, the orb. The orb. Look at the orb. It's going to capture your soul. Man, do they have to make it look so creepy? I mean, why could... Seriously... Stuff like that really makes me worry about WorldCoin. Why couldn't they just make a nice, friendly-looking box? No, it had to be some dystopian silver orb thing, which makes me trust the thing, the whole WorldCoin thing, a lot less, to be honest. I mean, come on. But, hey, it's made by Sam Altman, the chat GPT guy, the open AI guy, you know, the guy who's revolutionizing the world of AI, for better or for worse, bringing around the end of civilization or helping you write your marketing copy, one or the other. We haven't decided yet. Regardless, WorldCoin is making a splash around the world, making a lot of headlines around the world. The Orb is collecting a lot of user data. Over 2 million people have already scanned their eye into the Orwellian-looking Orb, which is very, very interesting. We are seeing also giant lines of people in cities all over the world where they're doing this. They're doing it in Spain and Hong Kong and cities in Africa and cities in America and on and on and on. Giant lines of people getting in line to, well, have their eyeballs scanned and hopefully get a few dollars of shit coins. That's the plan anyway. That's the plan. Shit coins for everybody. So what is WorldCoin, Sam Altman's eye-scanning global ID orb project? Of course, this is about digital IDs. And yes, digital IDs are needed. And to an extent, this may be one of those mid-curve things where 
if you're in the middle, you're going, no, this is an Orwellian nightmare. This is terrible. And, you know, people on the left-hand side of the curve are going, oh, free shit coins. Let's do it. And people on the right-hand side of the corner are going, yes, digital IDs, mass global adoption, huge user base, all this stuff. So there's those conversations to have here as well. But launched in late 2023, at late July 2023, by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, WorldCoin has introduced a concept called proof of personhood. Users verify their personhood in the WorldCoin ecosystem in order to participate in its global financial network. The company said just two days after launch that new users were entering the system at an average rate of every 7.6 seconds, indicating a substantial growth. About 2 million users already registered in total. Interesting. Digital IDs are important. I'm not sure that Sam the Altman is the person we can trust with digital IDs, but he is the one who is currently pushing forward a major digital ID project. So it's interesting to see that happening. However, there has been a lot of backlash against WorldCoin. Kenya, for example, suspends WorldCoin's crypto over safety concerns. German data watchdog probing WorldCoin crypto project. France's watchdog questions legality of WorldCoin biometric data collection. UK watchdog to make inquiries about WorldCoin crypto project, which to some extent feels to me like these governments looking and going like, hey, stealing people's information, that's our job, not your job. To an extent, I could definitely see that being the response of these governments here. Yeah, but fear not, everybody. WorldCoin says it will allow companies and governments to use its ID system. Yay. Scan, scan your eye into the, the magical glowing orb. And we'll give it straight over to Amazon and Facebook and the Pentagon and all these other friendly players. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much data actually ends up getting shared. You have to take it back to chat GPT. And I know that everyone's getting very excited about WorldCoin because it's Sam Altman's altcoin. Altman, the altcoin guy. You know, it's just sometimes Sam the bank man, right? Freed, of course, Sam the bank man freed us all from, well, any FTX users from the money. How, how anyone's going to use FTX 2.0? Beyond me. Now, Sam, the alt man, launching his altcoin. Hmm. Interesting. Now, ChatGPT has been, it's a great tool. I use ChatGPT on a regular basis to help brainstorm stuff like titles for videos and whatnot. On the flip side, we've seen a lot of political censorship on ChatGPT already. It's not a unbiased system. And so, if Sam Altman already is working from a basis of censorship and government's compliance with ChatGPT, well, what's that say about WorldCoin? You know, sometimes we expect that evil will look evil. You know, it's going to be some movie-like villain. But often, evil, the road to evil is paved by good intent, and the idea of digital identities is good intent. Right. We do need to have digital identification. A lot of people in the world who struggle with digital ID and being able to bank accounts and all this stuff. It's, it's a real problem that this may be a real solution, too. And then there's the flip side of the conversation where 
a nice smiling face can lure people into a technological tyranny, the likes of which Orwell and the writers of Brave New World and all this stuff could have couldn't even really have dreamed would be that messed up. And then we can buy it and invest in it. And hey, at least if we're all going to create a technological tyranny out of this, we can all get rich. I guess that's a that's a fringe benefit, isn't it? Billionaire Mike Novogratz flips bullish on WorldCoin. That's so the bad idea to define Sam Altman's crypto project, which I would broadly agree with. I mean, look how popular ChatGPT is. Think about the just basic premise of WorldCoin. Again, all these people, millions, probably tens of millions, potentially 100 million or more people. I mean, Sam wants to get everyone's eyeball. But let's say they get 100 million people signed up. They scan in the orb and he gets 100 million people on his crypto application. It would be the single biggest cryptocurrency application in the world by user. That's not to be ignored. Then of course, there's a simple narrative. Hey, it's Sam Altman's cryptocurrency. He's the chat GPT guy. He's the open AI guy. Uh, what is it? Mid journey. I think mid journey is the other one that open AI owns. That's those guys. We should buy the altcoin, And that could be the narrative again, mid, all the stuff that I'm talking about, I'm feeling like I'm mid-curving this because I'm like, yeah, Orwell and all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. The flip side is people go, ooh, Sam Altman coin. Let's pump it. Let's buy it because that's Sam Altman's coin. That's the open AI coin. We have to get it. This is the future of decentralized identities, which it may be, or it may not be. My mind's not decided yet. I've not scanned my iris, and I don't currently plan on doing that. Let me know if you plan on scanning your iris or not. Here's a, a report from Kaiko on the tokenomics of WorldCoin. By the way, we are doing a report on WorldCoin soon in the Wealth Mastery newsletter, so keep an eye out for that. WorldCoin's white paper is laid out on its website, though its tokenomics section is notably missing for those of us in the U.S. So initial supply cap, 10 billion coins. The maximum circulating supply at launch is 143 million coins, 100 million of which was loaned out to market makers operating outside the USA. So only about 1% of the coins are currently in circulation, which is pretty crazy. I mean, sometimes it's the 3 or 4%, which is also pretty scandalous, if you ask me, to have such a tiny circulating supply right at the start. That being said, 1% uh, is a tiny, tiny fraction of coins. And considering that the vast majority of those are in the hands of market makers, it's not a great look for a launch. I worry that this could be like the internet computer launch where you have a big hype at the start and then just goes down. But again, let's not try to mid-curve it too much. Let's think about the Mike Novogratz thesis that don't bet against Sam Altman. Investors, the investors, people like Novogratz, uh, as well as the team, people like Sam Altman, they don't get their coins for a year. So they don't really care what happens between now and a year from now. In fact, their only intention will be to get as many people's eyeballs scanned as possible in that time. So if they can then in a year's time when the markets are hot again, hopefully, if they can look and go say, hey, look at our coin. It's got 100 million users. It is one of the biggest, if not the biggest crypto platforms that's onboarded the most people. Yada, yada, yada. Boom. Buy our coin. And then, of course, they start getting their coins. And the VC cycle repeats itself. I love it. Interesting. Very curious to see how WorldCoin plays out. Let me know your thoughts, of course, on WorldCoin in the comments section. 
money-making coin, will it be the big thing based on the Sam Altman OpenAI chat GPT hype or digital IDs? Maybe it's too obscure. Maybe it's too Aurelian. Let me know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts.